This is Minimalism Today. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn, and I have Jerusha from El Paso on the line. Jerusha, what are you struggling with today? Well, I have been pursuing minimalism for 10 years, give or take. I would not say that I have reached uh, where I'd like to be. Um, but I knew that I was kind of having an, a lifetime, a life change that was coming up of me changing locations. And so I had an opportunity to purchase a home that was 975 square feet. Wow. And I currently live in a 2,400 square foot house. Um, and I, and there are five of us. I have five people in my household. Uh -huh. So <laughs> yes. Um, and we, no, I'm the only minimalist that is in my household. So okay. there are four other people that I live with who are tolerant, but not necessarily striving for the same end goal. Hey, anyway, tolerance is a, is a great first step. Now, Jerusha, are all five of these people going to be in the 975 square foot house? Kind of. Um, the reason I say kind of, my daughter is about to go off to college. My son is in uh, high school. And mm -hmm. then my two roommates, yes, I have roommates, um, they have decided they want to move too. So in theory, during the holidays and maybe the summer months, all five of us would be in the house. Uh -huh. But two of them would, uh, by the time they we get there and we're settled, my son will be in college and my daughter will be in college at the same time. What would your new space look like if, what would it feel like if it were ideal? Ide not cluttered. Mm, okay. Not so cluttered. That, that's what it would look like. How would it make you feel? I, I thrive in simplicity Okay. personally. Um, I like knowing where things are. I don't like to have a lot of extra and it just simplifies the way that I operate. I am in charge of the house. I am the head of household. I do take care of everything. Uh -huh. And so the more stuff I have, the more responsibility it feels like. And so simple is what I'm striving for. And that responsibility adds stress and anxiety to your life, I'm assuming. Yes. And we're all in the house right now because of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. We're all working from the house. Right. So you're spending a lot of time at home and you yes. don't want the additional stress or anxiety that you can get from a space. So it sounds to me like your ideal space would look uncluttered, but it would feel calm. It would feel tranquil, right? Yes. Okay. So what, what we're talking about here, the question we're really asking is how can I bring tranquility to the 975 square foot space? And of course, you know that you are complete in an empty room. And so as you decide to fill this space with people and things, the question is, how will those things add value how will they how will they increase your tranquility unfortunately what i found is quite often many of the things they do the opposite now when you wrote to me i believe you said that both of these houses were paid for with cash right yes and so you're in a situation as you said you're the head of the household you're the key decision maker here uh, does your ideal household have all five people in it I don't want to. Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. Okay. Okay. I love so, my roommates. I think they're awesome. Wonderful. Um, 
I'm 44 years old mm-hmm. and um, I'm a divorced mom and I did not want to live by myself. And so I had a fairly large house and I found um, people that I got along with and we live really well together and we like the arrangement. So we're going to stick to it. And that way I'm not feeling pressured to, um, well, traditionally get married. Um, mm. I, I know I, I come from a traditional household, a uh, family background, <laughs> but now I have roommates and that was actually kind of bucking the system right there that I chose to have roommates and not a spouse. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that um, we get to structure our lives however we want. Uh, let me ask you, you said that you, it's almost as though you're presupposing those are the two options, though. Having the roommates or having a spouse. There are, of course, other arrangements as well. Or living alone. Sure. Yeah. I didn't want to live alone. Why is that? Why is that? Oh, well, I I like coming home to somebody. Um, I really do, actually. I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Um, I did live by myself. The between... Between when I got divorced and when I got my roommates, I've only had my roommates for two years. I was divorced in 2011. So there's Mm -hmm. a spread in which I didn't have. Um, But I basically moved in my very best friends and we enjoy life together. And so I would see them outside of, like we would go out and I just, we just started hanging out at the house and they needed a place to live and it turned out to be very copacetic and Mm -hmm. I kind of liked the arrangement. That's great. Yeah, we enjoy life together is a great answer. I think yes. uh, quite often the op- we all, we often have an opposite answer. I need other people to be happy or I, I, I can't be happy. I'm miserable without other people. But of course, our happiness is our natural state. It's always internal and, and the stuff or the relationships aren't going to, to Actually, make I us enjoyed, happy. I enjoyed how clean my house was when I lived by myself. Hmm. Okay. So, so <laughs> no, I, I, me too. Uh, by the way, you know, I, I have a daughter and a wife and, and, um, we have a relatively tidy home, but of course I concede a few things uh, recognizing that a seven-year-old may not have the same aesthetic preferences as me. And, but also realizing that is the cost of admission. And, when you think about the cost of admission, if I go to a movie theater and pay $15 to get into a, a movie, I can't then spend the next two hours yelling at the movie screen saying, I can't believe this was $15. Well, how could you possibly charge me this? I'm resentful. And, and yet in my own life, what I find is like uh, my tendency is to be like, well, I'm either going to pay the cost of admission and be happy that I'm here inside this movie theater or inside this relationship to extend the metaphor or or I'm going to choose to not pay that cost of admission and, and for you it sounds to me like the cost of admission is having a slightly less tidy home as a result now that doesn't mean that you can't have a, a tidy home or have tidy spaces or set some boundaries with the people in your household but when are you getting ready to move well the plan was before COVID-19 um, mm. was sometime in the next summer. Um, However, my son likes where he is and that kind of changed things. And then COVID really set back the the plan. So um, I'm looking probably in the next couple of years, even though the original plan was literally June. So Uh I I have some flexibility because I own both of my homes. Right. um, It makes it a little easier. Are they both in the same city? No. Okay. 
There's so, a wrinkle in that. My parents are getting elderly. Uh-huh. Um, and they are elderly. They don't like that term, but they are. And um, <laughs> it was years ago, I was determined out of my siblings to be the caregiver. Well, it's getting to the point where my parents do need a caregiver. And so I actually bought my house in my hometown. So I'm going from the city to a rural area. Hmm. Um, and that's part of what I thought was interesting is that my roommates have decided that they want to come with me. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is bad. Well, what, what's, it's great to have a, a thriving community around us as long as we don't become dependent on those people for our own internal well-being, right? And it sounds to me like you have a, a healthy relationship with them. And, and it also sounds to me like while you have different preferences, the question is, am I willing to pay that cost in order to be their, their roommate? Well, and it sometimes sounds to me it's like, a tough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can tell. And and by the way, I it's it's tough for me as well. And there isn't the, here's the good news here is that there is no good or bad. There's not a right or wrong answer uh, with respect to what you want to do. Uh, in fact, I want to go back to that question about well-being. Mm-hmm. Is do these relationships on net do they increase your well-being? And and I, if I were to look at that, then if they're if they are making you miserable in any way, then the answer to that would be no, of course. But, but if these relationships are, are overall good for your well-being, then the answer would be yes. And then am I willing to pay the cost that, that comes with those? I am very happy. It's the happiest I've ever been. Although it was not the way I saw life supposed to be. Like there was a supposed to be life yeah. and it was not with roommates. You know, yeah. but I like my roommates and I'm happy. Uh, we do have some growing pains. And of course, we have all of this stuff in my house. Um, and the truth is, the majority of it is mine. I'm not going to lie to you. My roommates, uh-huh. yeah, it's mostly mine. Okay. Um, so, so th- this is fascinating. I, I, so, Yes, I totally agree with the supposed to be thing. The supposed to be is, is that's another way to say clinging or attachment. Uh, something is supposed to be X, but it is Y. And therefore, I'm not going to allow myself to be happy until I get uh, X, right? And and so I'm going to feel miserable in the me- meantime. Well, clinging is misery. Clinging is suffering. And it's nice that you have begun to uncouple from the supposed to be because there is no supposed to be there is no should or shouldn't here and once we realize that i think it's incredibly freeing now there's this other component that i want to talk to you about and that component is we often look around and say well things would be ideal if and we can see these external things that are making us a little frustrated, a little upset. They're, they're, they're bringing some anxiety into our lives and not realizing that most of that anxiety is actually ours. And what we're doing is we're, we're handing that anxiety, we're giving it a name, we're naming the anxiety something else. And you know, we can call it blaming or, or, or um, use uh, a similar term. But what I found is quite often when I feel like I'm discontented, I start to point the finger. Oh, if he would have just done this differently, if she would have done this differently, I can't believe the way that 
he is behaving. But really, I'm not looking inward. I'm, I'm taking those internal anxieties and I'm placing them within the reality of, of the real world. And whenever I do that, well, it does a couple things, but unfortunately it doesn't allow me to look inside and fix what's going on there. Now you, you, you even said, Hey, I, the, the clutter that my roommates have, it's a bit much sometimes, but also I'm the one with the most clutter. Isn't it fascinating that both of those things can be true? I have a lot of clutter, but it's very well organized. They uh, have a lot of, they have very little clutter, but it's all over the place. It's two different uh, ways of dealing with the same thing. But I'm not worried about fixing them. I accept them the way they are. I'm wanting to deal with the fact that I have 2,400 square feet of stuff. I got mm -hmm. it from my grandmother when she passed away. I got it from two marriages. I just have stuff everywhere. It's yeah. very well, it's very clean. I don't want you to think that it's very clean. It's very organized. <laughs> um, everything is labeled. I'm not judging. Yeah. No, no. I, I mean, I'm very proud of my labeled boxes. Um, however, I have too many boxes and I, I am resisting letting go. Um, and I think part of that is that fantasy, fantasy self you have, this mm -hmm. expectation of what it should have been, that what I was talking about. And I'm trying to figure out how to let go of that because it, it gets in the way of where I am right now. I want to live in 975 square feet. That's I picked that house. It's beautiful. I love it. And I'm looking at what I have presently going, I have no idea how I'm going to get from point A to point B without letting go of massive amounts of physical stuff. But part of that physical stuff is I have to be able to say goodbye to my grandmother's stuff and, sure. um, and not get hung up on the fact that people second guess me not intentionally being mean about it, but I say, oh, I want to get rid of this one item. And they're like, oh, but grandmother gave that to you. I'm like, yeah, yeah. she gave me, you know, an entire garage full of stuff too. Yeah. So yeah. Well, if they want is... it, then, then they can have it, I would say. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. You, you, you said, you used a great word a moment ago about fixing your roommate. Said, I don't want to fix them. You want to fix your situation. And, and yes. what I would say is I think half of that equation is spot on, but things don't need to be fixed. They need to be understood. And, and you just said, I don't know how I'm going to go from 2,400 square feet to 975. I'm not interested in the how. I'm interested in the why. Because once you understand the why, the how becomes so easy. I could give you the 29 ways to declutter your home but that's not going to be very compelling. You're going to learn how to do it, but you're going to end up in the same mess again if you don't understand the why. And so, so you can't understand what you judge. And other people are judging you, and then you're projecting that own judgment onto those things. I, I can't believe they're judging me for getting rid of my grandma stuff. Maybe I'm now telling myself that I'm a bad person because they're saying something and their judgment is upon me. But of course, judgment is the opposite of understanding. And what I want you to do is not fix. I don't want the how to. The how to will appear when you really understand the why to. And so get really clear on why that 975 square foot house 
is important to you, what, why you would enjoy living there. And of course, there are some sort of material benefits. It's going to be easier to clean. There's going to be less clutter around. There's less space for clutter, etc. But there are some deeper reasons that make sense. And you're not going to unpack them today. It's going to take you weeks or, or months to truly understand that things don't need to be fixed. They need to be understood. And of course, you, when you do decide to move, I mean, you, I often talk about a packing party, but you can do a preemptive, an early sort of version of a packing party. And there are a lot of rules that I talk about, you know, whether it's the minimalist rule book and, and there are 16 different rules in there. I think some of those would apply really well to you. There are many things that you have in your 2,400 square feet that are probably getting in the way of your, of your joy, of your contentment. They're causing, I mean, the reason we're talking right now is because there's some sort of anxiety and anxiety and stress is, is these are all just forms of misery and, and it may be low grade misery, but misery is misery and we need to do something about it, but it's not about doing more quite often. It's about doing less, having less, you know, it is, it involves letting go. By the way, letting go isn't something you do either. It's something you stop doing. We stop clinging to things and then we let go. I never thought about it in that sense. I was always kind of stuck in the how and not the understanding of why. Um, it's, it's like looking at the problem and, and not knowing how you got there. Um, mm. Yeah, I think, I think the, the, the problem with the fix, the solutions, the prescriptions is that they actually become the problem. The, the solution is the problem. We're always looking for the fix. If I just had the seven-step program to get rid of my stuff, right? If someone would just come over and take care of this for me, then it would be fixed. If I knew how to do this, then I could do it. But no, that is the problem. We start focusing on the how and we lose sight of what is actually important, the why. Why do I want to do this? What are the benefits? How might my life be better with less? And when you truly understand that, the how appears and it becomes so much simpler, so much easier to let go. Well, I have some work and in inner, inner looking to go. And I, I've known that. I've known that I've had to figure out my own way of doing what I needed to do. But sometimes the little, one of my roommates said that I kind of seeking permission to do what I already mm. know what I need to do. Um, I found that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that the, was the, very interesting and it wasn't something that I had noticed in myself before. Um, I don't want to be the kind of person that needs permission to do anything. I'm kind of strong willed and I like it, you know, yeah. Well, you have permission and it's about giving yourself the, the permission. And I think sometimes we asking for permission is really asking for external validation. And that is also a form of misery. That's saying I can't be happy until someone else approves of this. That's the same reason that we acquire things, by the way. It's the same reason that we try to you know, get trophies and accomplishments and trinkets and awards is... We want external validation. 
But those things never do it for us. They don't, they don't make us feel content. They don't make us feel tranquil. They make us need the next award, the next trophy, the next achievement, the next widget. But those things don't fulfill us. And so we have to, we have to show up full. Otherwise, if we show up empty, we're always going to leave empty. Those things, those relationships, those achievements, they're never going to fill the void that we showed up with. Does the void have to be filled up? I've always wondered. Hmm. You want to be fulfilled, right? There's no have to, by the way. But uh, I think that we, uh, I think we're naturally filled. And I think what happens is we create the void. And so I think we're born full. And I think you, know, you, you have children, obviously. Think about when they were a little kid. They were always full, right? You're not just full of energy, but full of contentment. Children are, are enlightened uh, to a great extent. They're present. They're aware. They're in the moment. So much so they can't remember what they had for dinner yesterday, right? And they're just there in the moment. They're, they're already full. And they show up to each thing that they're doing full, not needing to get something out of it, but just enjoying that moment. But over time, what we, we have these external sources tell us, Hey, you need this to be full and this, this, and this, they simply create that void. And so the, the very things that we sought out to fill the void, widen it. It is true. I wanted this big house like nobody's business. I did. I wanted it. I wanted the three bathrooms and I loved them. I loved them for two and a half weeks until I had to clean all three of them. Right. Um, and I thought it was wonderful. But it's a lot of responsibility. And I, 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 that's why I'm moving. I mean, why? I, well, one, I have to take care of my, my parents. And two, it's just I signed up for so much and I thought I wanted it. But in reality, I didn't. And so I decided to correct it and, and listen to that inner voice that said, you know, yeah, you worked really hard to get to the point where you could afford a huge house, but now you have to take care of it. And it's not fun. At least I don't find it fun. And a lot of it had to do with that fantasy self too. Yeah, Because absolutely. I thought I would be the kind of person that would entertain, but I'm an introvert. I don't like being around people. Not that they're not, I like them. Okay. They're nice. <laughs> but my house is my refuge and I don't invite people over. So why do I have a house that's set up for entertainment when I'm never going to naturally entertain anybody? Yeah. That's a really great question. 